Hello, everyone, and welcome to Myth, Heresies, and Hearsay, Episode 4. I don't believe in God, I believe in science, Part 2. As the title indicates, this episode is meant to wrap up the whole science versus God thing, and apparently that has become a thing. I do want to set the record straight. Although I have been anti-religion throughout the podcast, I'm not an atheist. I have found out some really interesting things about the Bible that I think most people would be interested in, so I'd like to pass those things along without making the podcast about the Bible. I had mentioned that science and evolution are often intermingled terms and that evolution has little to do with science. In the same way, many think of religion and God, or the belief in God, to be the same thing. And religion often has as little to do with God as evolution has to do with science. We talked about what science says. So let's talk about what science used to say. As we had said before that the science of the day said the earth was flat. But way back in the book of Isaiah, the earth is described as a sphere. We now know, of course, that the earth is round. I will give no quarters to the flat earthers here. Some time ago, science had calculated that there were 1,100 stars in the sky. Yep, 1,100 The book of Jeremiah says that the stars were innumerable. Today, of course, science knows that these stars are innumerable. Science once said that all the stars were the same. The book of Corinthians maintained that these stars were different. Okay, science has finally caught up, and we now know that these stars are, in fact, not the same, but different. In the book of Hebrews, it is stated that creation was made of invisible elements. Science was ignorant to the fact, but has since concluded that, yes, our reality was made of invisible elements. We call them atoms. The book of Job said that light moves. Science said light was fixed. We know now that, in fact, light moves. Job also said that air has weight. Science thought this to be ridiculous, but, of course, we now know air has weight. The book of Leviticus states that blood is the source of life. Science said that sick people should be bled. After further review, blood is the source of life. Leviticus also told us to wash our hands with running water, especially when dealing with disease. Science had long maintained that you should wash your hands in still water. After all, what would some ancient book of myth and legend know? Is anyone still washing their hands in still water? Not if you can help it, right? Well, this has been a fun little exercise. It illustrates what science used to believe, and that science really is an inexact science, if you will. So let's get back to the science we know today. 
is not math a science in the purest sense. A simple survey of hemoglobin and the ridiculous numbers therein will reveal that evolution is untenable. By ridiculous numbers, I mean something to the tune of 10 to the 66th power. And if one single number is off, it is fatal. No time for any evolutionary process to kick in. You, or any would-be species, are dead. To give you an idea of what huge numbers we're talking about, 10 to the 66 power is a 10 with 66 zeros attached to it. That is beyond million, beyond billion, trillion, and gazillion. Keep in mind that only 10 to the 17th power is the estimated seconds we've experienced since the Big Bang. Yet yeah, if you were off by one, you were dead. And do we really think that all of this and everything we see just kind of happened on its own? What are the chances of that happening by accident? probably more than 10 to the 66 power. Something to think about. So let's shift gears here, still on the subject of evolution. Consider the mousetrap. A clumsy analogy, I know. A mousetrap consists of five main parts. If just one of those parts, or the equivalent, is missing You don't catch four-fifths as many mice. You catch zero. No time for any evolutionary process to kick in. This is known as the law of irreducible complexity. Wow. Kind of makes you feel smart just saying that, huh? Irreducible complexity. Yeah, I feel smarter. The law simply states that biological systems cannot have evolved by successive small modifications to pre-existing functional systems through natural selection because no complex system would function. Sounds like a mouthful, I know, but the people who are really into science should already get this. Staying on the math-slash-science thing, I give you one Ivan Panin. Ivan Panin was an interesting guy. He was the foremost mathematician of his day. He was Russian. He was an atheist. He got caught up in some plots against the Tsar, so for obvious reasons, he had to get out of Dodge, or in this case, Moscow. He settled in Germany and eventually immigrated to America. One night he was reading the book of Matthew, not because he was a believer, as I mentioned, he was an atheist. He actually wanted to poke holes in the story to write a thesis as to how silly the book was. But he noticed a pattern, and then another, and then still another. His mathematical mind began seeing these mathematical patterns over and over again. For him, there was too many of these 
to be just a coincidence. So as he began zeroing in on these, he discovered what we now know as the heptatic structure that seems to run all throughout the whole Bible. Heptatic just means sevens. He found that not only are there a lot of sevens in plain sight, there are many more sevens hidden within the text. I mentioned that he was the foremost mathematician of the day. So he calculated the odds of these types of things happening by random accident and found that they were at least 10 to the 77th power, which is beyond the number that scientists say is absurd. Absurd being the number beyond any possibility. Let me touch on that for just a second and read an excerpt from a journal that I ripped off, I borrowed, and I quote, While nothing is considered impossible in statistics, merely highly improbable, there is to be a point in mathematics where it's justified to call it quits and say enough is enough. In his 1962 book, Probabilities and Life, mathematician Emil Borel suggests that the probabilities become too negligible to worry about on a cosmic scale after 1 and 10 to the 50th power. The odds of 1 in a trillion, which is only 1 in 10 to the 12th power, may not get any investors. But it's still remotely possible. On the other hand, a chance of 1 in 10 to the 50th power is inconceivable and defined as absurd. That means he, Pannon, calculated that the chances of these things just happening by accident were pretty much zero. At that point, he began re-examining and paying attention to the text itself. He became a believer and dedicated the next 50 years of his life to discovering these mathematical patterns. I do want to highlight some of his pattern discoveries at some point later, as I won't be able to do justice with the limited time I have here. Now, I have leaned heavily on the work of Dr. Chuck Missler. Missler is an interesting guy as well. He deals in dimensional realities that I spoke of, time dilation, dinosaurs, UFOs, and ridiculously large numbers that keep coming up in science. If you get a chance, check him out. He can explain any of the things I brought up in much more detail and much more eloquently. I know it seems as though we've just gotten started, but I will have to take a brief break from now until the next episode. The wife and I are taking a long-awaited trip to hike Hadrian's Wall. What is Hadrian's Wall? So glad you asked. I was mildly surprised that when I mentioned the wall that I seemed to get these blank looks. I really did think anyone in Western civilization surely would know about Hadrian's Wall. So I'm glad to have this teachable moment here. A little history is in order. 
Back when the Roman Empire had finally come to the conclusion that the empire could not expand indefinitely, like apparently they had been thinking, they began to build walls where there were no natural boundaries, such as a river or a mountain range. The Emperor Hadrian built three of these such walls that we know of, but the most famous of these is actually the smallest. The Romans built a wall across the shortest neck of the British Isles that separate Scotland from the rest of the civilized world. So as to keep these uncouth barbarians out from ransacking all that is holy. It sounds like a dire situation, but it really wasn't as bad as some historians have made it sound. There were actually gates that were open to the native Scots and Picts where they could bring things to market and to buy wares that the advanced Romans could manufacture. But in this way, the Romans could know who and how many were crossing in. And these gates could be closed at any time for defense. So I'm told that much of the wall still survives, and Roman forts can be explored. There is a national forest to hike through, towns and townships, and locals in the taverns and breweries to make conversation with. The wife and I decided that since a granddaughter of ours is graduating high school, we could take her with us and expand her universe. She is one of my favorite people and is a cross-country runner and a competition swimmer, so I'm hoping she takes it easy on me. From there, three days in Scotland where I will take selfies at my ancestral castle. I won't tell you which castle, in case there are any Clan Maxwells listening who might still be harboring a grudge. A quick trip to the highlands of Scotland, then off to London where the granddaughter will turn 18. So I will keep everyone updated as I feel the trip will give me plenty of fodder for this podcast. 